Sure. All right. <clears throat> we are in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. <clears throat> so, we all remember the good old days. And for everyone, that's, that's a specific period in our lives or a specific time. Maybe the good old days, you're a, you're a millennial, and the good old days were the 90s, you know? Skateboards and, and portable CD players and, and um, what else is from the 90s? So many wonderful things. Unfortunately, I have come to realize that the idea of life when things are simpler and easier um, is actually just, it's a bit of a fallacy. It, it's not really a real thing. If I think about it, everything that is going on, good or bad, and if you trace back human history decade by decade, you know, I'm reminded of a song <laughs> Uh, Billy Joel once sang, uh, uh, we didn't start the fire, it's always burning, since the world's been turning. That things aren't uh, worse uh, now than they were then, and we aren't wiser and, and perhaps better than we were then. We are almost destined to repeat the same mistakes of our younger selves, just in a different form, with a different name. We're stuck in this mold called human nature. If it were up to us, would we even want to break from that mold? Why would someone want to go against their own grain? Why would a cheetah, for example, do something against its nature and start eating vegetables out of, out of its own? Why would we want to not indulge in what we want and experience what we want and be who we want to be. If we have any um, sense of moral direction or ethical standard in and of ourselves, it's only in relation to someone else's moral code. And if we, say, turn a new leaf or have a change of heart, we're not breaking that mold. We're just... Um, uh, changing out of necessity until we become comfortable again, until we find happiness again, until we um, uh, find the road that we want to be on again, and then the change is complete. Unfortunately, 
This is what the Bible uh, refers to as a, as a sin nature. It compels us in a certain direction, and it, um, it's not something different in and of ourselves. It is part of our nature, like a carnivore eating meat. Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. In your notes, I asked the question, who were you before you placed faith in Jesus Christ? Many of you here have. I know we are a body of believers. Last week, we looked at the greatness, the depth, and the, and the gravity of our own salvation. In chapter 2, we're going to see where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. We continue to read about what is essentially a metamorphosis, something becoming an entirely different creature that happens when a soul gets saved. We looked at the blessing of what salvation is, not that it's a moment in time, but that it is an eternal fact. Today I want to look at where we find ourselves in that state of being, what it looks like in your life and mine. Who were we before that change? What was that change? What happened in between then and now? So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10 together. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we all also once lived in the lusts of our flesh and the desires of our mind. We were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Dear Lord, this morning, I do pray that we may be edified by this truth, we may understand it, and we may apply it, we may live by it, and we may realize it. We do everything in the grace that you have given us in, in our Lord Jesus Christ, where our faith rests. Amen. Okay, so let's look at where we find ourselves. <clears throat> Who were we before? <clears throat> Who are we now? And the work that God has done in us. <clears throat> okay. It says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's a, it's a very definitive state of being. Just like we find uh, our state of being in salvation, um, the nature, the, the, the nature of wrath that it says later on, it's, it's, a, it's a definitive state, dead. And we can do nothing in and of ourselves to make us undead. <clears throat> in which you formerly walked, that you found yourself in according to the age of this world, society is ever-shifting, and this is what I mean. Um, we're not getting better. We're just repeating the same, <coughs> excuse me, the same mistakes from history, and we give it different names. Uh, society has always, in a sense, defined what is right according to general consensus or according to the guy in charge or whatever, uh, the, the, the goalposts are constantly shifting what is right and what is wrong. And, um, and we formerly walked according to this logic and according to the standard of the age of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. <clears throat> that is the devil to acknowledge that within this world there is uh, the layer of the unseen, the, the, the battle that is going on um, and that what happens there influences what's happening here and nothing is necessarily in a bubble. And, um, and the ancient writers, they were aware of this. They were aware that um, uh, these two worlds um, existed simultaneously. Not to say, the devil made me do it, <laughs> but that... Um, but that wrong thought or uh, temptation uh, isn't 
just there by coincidence that we have uh, weaknesses or, or rather desires that, um, that are almost too easy to find ourselves in. The Bible says we had no problem with this. It says, among them we also once lived in the lust of our flesh, that, that we indulge in this, this, we work disobedience in our flesh, in the things that we do with our hands and the things that we do to ourselves and to others. And it says, um, doing the desires of the flesh uh, and of the mind. <laughs> and that we not only sin in our body, but we sin in the way we think and and what we think and how we think. And that uh, sometimes leads to action, but not always. <clears throat> and we had no problem with this. It was part of our nature. Why would we want to... Why would a fish want to live on land? It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us. <clears throat> Even when we were dead in sins, made us alive with Christ. So what happens when something that is dead is brought back to life? A complete change of state happens. Something uh, radical um, occurs for something to be brought back to life, right? Right? Jesus Christ, uh, we have new life. And the Bible, um, or Ephesians, uh, goes from this definition of blessing. Do you know what your own salvation means? And do you know where you find yourself now versus where you found yourself before? Metamorphosis is the idea of one animal becoming, shedding its nature completely and adopting a new nature. It says he made us alive with, together with Christ. It says by grace you are saved. And he raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And we touched on this as well last week, that <clears throat> not only does this new nature mean that we see things differently, we, we, we learn to value things differently, we learn to um, go against the grain of our old nature, but we are no longer even um, born here to be born. You're born in a country, you're automatically given citizenship of that country that you're born in. But, um, but it says that we have been raised up and we have been placed in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. 
And that's also from last week that being born again, we're not born with a different nature that's also fallen and also, but we are born with a new nature in uh, as citizens of heaven. <clears throat> and so we are completely and thoroughly different in nature, in thinking, in, in origin, if you, can, uh, if you can see it that way. You know, we think, <clears throat> again, if we view our salvation as simply a moment in time, and, um, well, my salvation took place three or four or five years ago, and, and it was then, and yes, I'm living for Christ now, and I'm trying to read my Bible, but um, where you are now seems somehow uh, detached from the choice you made three or five or ten years ago or when you were four years old. And it's saying, no, it's not. It's not. Let's go on. <clears throat> the work that Christ has done in us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, so that no one should boast. <clears throat> and the emphasis on this again, that it is from God, that God is the, um, the facilitator, the instigator, the, the, the reason and the, the way in which this new nature comes about. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ and acknowledge and understand what he did for us on the cross, that he died for us and our sins in our place. Repent of our sins and place our faith in him. <clears throat> Notice in this passage the word... Uh, works is used several times. He says, uh, in verse 2, he said, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. And then in verse 9, he says that this grace, this gift of God is, is not of your own works. So he definitively puts the horse before the cart. <clears throat> we can't earn our salvation. We know that. But we live as though that was the case. Instead of realizing our changed nature and the state of salvation... We have to, we're, we're chasing a carrot. We're, we're working to constantly 
prove that we're still uh, worth the gift that we have received. It's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. I have to come to church because I haven't come in a while. <laughs> I have to read my Bible because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing that <laughs> because it is the Word of God and our new life is in Christ. And how I must know about this new nature. I live in a different place. I see things differently. I speak a different language. And then in verse 10, to carry this illustration of work completely through, he says, yes, someone did do work. He says in verse 10, for you are his workmanship. You are the result of the work that he has done. It says, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. He says, for good works. which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. I was even telling Louis earlier um, what a coincidence it is that he did a 9 a.m. session on the will of God in your life and knowing that there's no such thing as coincidence. <coughs> but we have all been placed on a road. And on this road are tossed, are things that we have been ordained or, or uh, rather um, prepared beforehand um, to, to do. <laughs> we are no longer uh, the work of disobedience, but the work that we do, we do in this new uh, created state of salvation that he has laid before us and, and that we uh, work towards. The fact is that each of us has this road before us, and it's not necessarily an isolated, narrow, empty, winding road. <clears throat> it's a weaving road and it comes together in some sections and splits apart and intersects with other uh, roads <clears throat> that we do not do uh, good work in his name in isolation. But the book of Ephesians is about the church. Do you realize the blessing that your salvation is? Do you realize that this salvation that uh, is from God has given you a new nature and has put you on uh, a road of works? Um, what are you going to do with it now? 
<clears throat> and then it leads into we are one body fitly joined together and it says we have one god and what one salvation to realize that the path that you have been um that has been laid before you is no longer what i desire and what i want and what i need and what comforts me it's what god has prepared in my life there there is purpose there there is a renewed purpose and uh, it's not in isolation of its itself or or one another you see sometimes the lord leads us into difficult circumstances sometimes uh we are compelled by our new nature to do something that would seem irrational to the world why would you help this person uh when they can provide nothing for you why would you spend your sundays uh sitting here listening to a guy uh mumble on <clears throat> why would you take time to worship why would you take time to 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 do things that that seemingly have no benefit personal benefit but but then you say it brings god glory and the world rolls their eyes so today i want us to realize that we have a path before us if you know the lord jesus christ as your savior and you know the depth of that salvation then you must also know that that salvation empowers you with a new nature and you cannot live life as if you were uh, living with that old nature trying to to please god in your own power uh, and doing things because you have to or uh, continuing to live for yourself and your own fleshly lusts no we are compelled by our new being to walk in the road that has been laid before us let's pray dear lord as we wrestle with this idea this uh this teaching about the implications and the and the extent of our salvation we thank you that it is a gift we thank you that in faith we can place our trust and hope in Jesus Christ and repent of our sins and lord help us to 
acknowledge the extent in which your spirit works in us. Let us see the good works that you have laid before us with new eyes and be invigorated to undertake them as we seek your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand for our final hymn.